Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet real estate agent Raj Perowit with Keller Williams Capital Properties. It's so nice to see you, Raj. How are you today? Very well, Lexi. Thanks so much for uh, having me on your show. Absolutely. So to get things started, we wanted to hear um, a little bit about you. How long have you been in the real estate industry and how did you end up as an agent and sort of where you're at now? Yeah, good question. Um, I've been in the industry since uh, 2010. And uh, as an early mentor said to me, well, you're, you're, in, you're sort of joining sort of right after the Great Recession. So if you can make it uh, through the next year or so, you'll do OK. Uh, so that part of the story is probably fairly uh, normal, you know, been, been in for 10, 11 years. Um, where I came from is probably a bit more unusual. I um, have a past career in human rights and in international law. And uh, I did that for 12 years and um, enjoyed it and, and uh, had some successes. But um, for a whole host of reasons, decided to make this fairly dramatic shift into real estate, which is something that I had actually had a side interest in anyway. It was mm-hmm. to what I was doing and um, decided to, to make that switch and uh, have, uh, have not regretted it. Okay. So you sort of had a, a side interest in it and decided just to, to dive deeper. Was there someone that sort of mentored you through it or was it just kind of your own, your own initiative that you had jumped on board with? It's sort of a, a, a push-pull. So the work that I was doing before was pretty intense and pretty uh, time-consuming. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend, a good friend, who was um, uh, in the DC market uh, doing some rehabbing of properties. So he would okay. joke that uh, I was his uh, on his board of directors, and which basically meant we would drive around at the weekends when I had some time, look at properties together, and then sort of you know just just think about them and whether he should invest. So so that was sort of a first kind of on the ground feeling. But interestingly, there, there are some family connections to real estate, going back to both the UK and then India, where my grandparents are from. So maybe the bug was always there anyway. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, what neighborhoods do you find yourself most frequently in? You know, it's funny. Um, I, I was having this conversation with somebody recently. I'm licensed, you know, I, I live, as you know, in the, in the um, uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, metro area. Uh, licensed in Maryland, uh, DC, and Virginia, but my area of focus actually does shift from time to time. A number of years ago, I felt like I was spending an inordinate amount of time between H Street and Trinidad areas of DC. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I had a number of clients who were looking to buy their rehab properties, both commercial and residential and and multifamily. Um, In the last few years, the entire shift of my focus with, with clients and the like has been much more into Montgomery County, um, neighborhoods like Twinbrook, Bethesda, Rockville, uh, into Potomac and, uh, and less in DC. And, and I think it's just, you know, I, I still keep uh, tabs on all of these neighborhoods, but it does um, ebb and flow a little bit with where, with my, where my client base sort of wants to go and what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are interested either in, in now just buying homes to, to live in in Montgomery County or they, they're moving out of condos and the like that they might have owned in other neighborhoods and want to buy single family rental homes. Mm-hmm. So there's certain neighborhoods with target for them, which often are outside the district. Um, so it, it just does depend what, what, mm-hmm. what clients want at any given moment. 
Yeah. Yeah. I get that a little bit diverse there. Um, do you have a team and talk to me a little bit about what the dynamics are there if you do? Yeah, I don't have a team. I've got um, sort of, I, I like to describe sort of strong coalition relationships. There are mm -hmm. three or four agents who I do a lot of work with. Um, you know, they're all based uh, at, at Keller Williams uh, in the Bethesda office. Uh, Gus Scalaris, uh, Veronique Streaky, um, Denise Bodwin, a few others, uh, Lindu Wright. And um, we do a, a lot of work. We'll partner on specific deals or mm -hmm. help out on certain things. We've also got a good culture where I, I do try and mentor and, and help other agents. So that there's that aspect as well. Uh, interestingly, I am actually just now sort of 11 years into the business thinking that I am going to set up a team in 2021. Okay. I think, um, it's probably past you uh, in, in, in terms of doing that, but, it, but it's something that I'm, I think I'm going to do this year. Yeah, that's awesome. So sort of leveraging your time a little bit and probably utilizing the, the people that you're already collaborating with will, you know, make that transition, I'm sure, a little bit easier. Yeah, we've sort of got some formalities, you know, uh, to, to put in place around the team structure. But I think it fits well with both where I think I see my strengths and also, to be honest, where I see the market going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so getting sort of into the process of home buying and home selling, if I'm looking to purchase a home, what would you say the most important thing that I need to know would be? I think if you're looking to buy a home in the DC metropolitan market, uh, in our DMV um, today in 2021, I think that um, both understanding your needs and your time horizon are incredibly important. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we're fortunate if we, if we look back over the last 10, 12 years, we are fortunate in that even when we've had big kind of real estate crises in this country, I'm thinking particularly around kind of the great recession of 2008, um, the two markets that did relatively well in that were the New York market and then the, the Washington DC metro market. So, you know, we, we weren't immune to it, but we did pretty well. Now that we're sort of in the throes of this pandemic, um, that is really changing a lot of trends and nationally, internationally, but also locally. So I think you really need to understand what is the type of housing I'm looking to buy now, um, kind of affordability, what your own job situation's like, how long you want to be in the house, really kind of almost do a deeper needs analysis and then project out over a few years mm -hmm. because prices have gone high. It's a lot of competition in certain neighborhoods and then trends are shifting as well. Um, so I think you need to, depending on almost which sub market you wanted to be in and what your needs are, we can then shape a, shape a, a strategy around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that, um, sort of very thought out and invasive answer. It's not a, you know, one answer. It really just depends on where you're going. And like you had said, the past, the, the present and the future of that specific area. Yeah. Uh, just a, you know, footnote on that, um, a couple of years ago, I was working with um, a client who's also a very close friend. Mm -hmm. They owned a property in Bethesda and actually wanted to upsize and buy a property in Potomac. Mm -hmm. And the conversation we had, we looked at this individual, this couple, they're very um, uh, data driven. So we looked very closely at the pricing in Potomac close to the village going further out over a sort of a, a multi-year period. Hmm. And um, at that moment when we were looking, there were a lot of houses that we were sort of seeing on the market for a long time, opportunities to ne negotiate. And one of the questions that we had was, 
what does the next 10 years look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and we were thinking about, this is sort of pre-pandemic, things like, well, it might be that with 5G coming, there may be more chances of working from home, but that's a little ways away. Automated cars, driverless cars might encourage people to live further out and, and drive in. And we actually found a study that sort of talked about how areas like Potomac over the next decade would benefit. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, you know, they, they pulled a lot of the data I did. We looked at it together. They obviously, it was their money that to make the ultimate decision. And their thought was, well, let's move to Potomac, buy this property. And over the next 10 years, we feel like the trends are going to do well. So when we look to sell, we'll be in, 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 in a good position. Well, fast forward, you know, 18 months, we're in a pandemic and everyone is now looking for space and moving out that way anyway. So it's accelerated trends that we were thinking about. So this is why I think we've really got a, I think as real estate agents, our value now is to not take a one size fits all mm-hmm. and really dig deep into what our, what our folks want, not just today, but over the next number of years. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you plan on being in this property? You know, what is your long-term projection there? What's your job situation? The certainty around that, those sorts of things. Yeah. Really good point. Um, how about for sellers? What trends should sellers be aware of in 2021 specifically? Well, I'll say that um, uh, the a lot of the top minds in real estate, um, you know, from Keller Williams to to folks at NAR, and most recently I saw a comment from uh, the head of Redfin as well, and some of the data that they had show that over this last you know year of the pandemic, we're seeing people looking both at secondary markets, but also looking at suburbs and a little bit further out. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe getting a little bit more value for money, a bit more space, a bit more privacy. I think that you know everyone being cooped up at home has had, uh, at least has driven some buyers to, to think that way. I personally am working with several individuals who, uh, I joked out one story, for example, there's a, there's a couple who I would have never thought that they would have left the district. Um, they seemed, if anything, they wanted to get closer and closer in and, and they mm-hmm. loved that vibe post-pandemic, they're looking at um, either buying a primary residence that is somewhere in up, sort of upper Montgomery County or potentially even a secondary residence, which is in Maryland, but maybe within a couple hours of where we are. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an anecdote, but it reflects some of the information um, that we're seeing, we're seeing out there where there is some subset of buyers who are now thinking, look, I want to kind of Yes, I like city living, but I actually want more space. I'm willing to trade that. I can also, my money can go a bit further and I can work from home much more. So right. I think that's a, that's sort of an interesting thing. Yeah, definitely. I think should be aware of that. Right, right. Um, talk to me a little bit about, I mean, I, I know I feel like we've kind of went over this a little bit, but the current market, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, sort of the trends and where people are wanting to move, you know, into larger homes and sort of away from the city uh, a little bit more, but what else is kind of going on right now in the current market? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, I don't think that, that I think there's all of this sort of sky is falling around cities that the cities are going to die. I don't believe that at all. I think there's yeah. always going to be a demand for city living mm-hmm. and um, it's just going to be different. Uh, it's going to look a little bit different. And I think cities are going to have to reimagine themselves and talking about official cities like Washington, D.C., but also places like downtown Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is very close to where I live. I think that people want more walk. If you're going to commit to living in an area like that, they want you know more space to 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 breathe in a way um, than they than they did. So I think that cities are going to have to evolve. I think that 
um, uh, I think that suburbs have their opportunity as well to, to capture people. But again, they've got to think about things as well because uh, people want may want more space, but they want access, also want access to good groceries and to, mm-hmm. to other such things. Um, I think that we're in this wonderfully trans, uh, there's obviously a, we're in a very troubling time from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we, we obviously have to get past. And thanks to the scientists, we're, we're heading in that direction. But at the end of that, it'll be really interesting to see where we shake out because I think it'll, uh, you know, we might see a, both a reimagining of life in cities, but also some set of people who would have never considered moving away from them now open to that. And I think mm-hmm. both could be positive, um, but it's going to require a lot of thought from, you know, community and government, I think, is, and developers are all going to have to come together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, what do you see in the industry that are, you know, some big changes and how are you personally shifting your business to kind of adjust to that? Sure. That's a really, really good question, actually. And uh, one of the things that, um, so a few years ago, when I was just about to join Keller Williams, I was fortunate enough to go to um, the annual meeting that they have. And Mm -hmm. the co-founder of the company, Gary Keller, had this presentation and he talked about the transformation of the industry with technology and artificial intelligence and everything else coming. And uh, everything he said sort of that was about four and a bit years ago is proven to be correct. You're seeing that, um, you know, with these mega IPOs where these real estate companies are now floating on the stock market, raising billions of dollars, putting them into tech. And there's no doubt that this is changing our industry fundamentally. Um, There's one sort of school of thought that says uh, agents are going to have to embrace and become enabled by tech to, to sort of make it through. Uh, and I think that's right. And I think there are some agents doing that. I also think we don't know with the sheer amount of money flooding the market, we don't know what that's going to do to our role as real estate agents. There are um, these iBuyer companies that are out there now that have raised billions of dollars. What's that going to do? It's, it's, a, it's a hard question. Personally, one of the things that I've thought about, this is not my idea, this is sort of borrowed um, from, from sort of people smarter in real estate than I, is I've got to think about myself as a business um, in the real estate space and almost have multiple things that I'm working on. So I've got a real estate sales business. I'm also looking to invest in properties for myself and my family. Um, and then the third sort of exciting thing is we've just launched a property management company specifically in Montgomery County, only on the residential side. Mm-hmm. And that's both because we saw a need for that. Um, you know, too many of our real estate colleagues would say, look, we, we don't have a good, reliable property management company to turn to. So we felt there was a need there, but also an, honestly an opportunity. My, my, my colleagues who I've set this up with and I thought, if we set this up, this is our way of kind of distinguishing ourselves from other people. Because now when we're talking to a client, we can say on the sales side, look, if you want to buy a property, we can help you through our work with Keller Williams Capital Properties. But we also have this separate company over here, MoCo Property Management, where we can also manage your rental. The two are separate. They're separate mm-hmm. businesses, separate LLCs. Got to make that clear. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we can see how one can complement the other. And then uh, my feeling is if you, as a real estate professional, we've got to look for ourselves and for our families and our own legacy, we've got to look to diversify the way we approach work because 
um, you know, our competition now is not the real estate agent in the, uh, the brokerage next door. Mm-hmm. It is people on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley who are raising billions of dollars. That's our competition. Right. Yeah, it's a bit different. And so it's not the standard way of setting yourself apart as no. it was before, which Absolutely. makes a lot of sense. And I think that's really smart too. You know, it's like anything that you're going to invest in to diversify and not put all of your eggs in one basket. Um, and that's really, you know, it's really neat that you guys have come together to sort of have that as another business, but also a way, as you mentioned, like there's sort of a lack of per se in the area of that, you know, sort of assistance, which I think is just awesome that you guys have decided to do that. Yeah, we sort of see it as a win-win. It's sort of like, hopefully there's a need we're filling. Um, It's something we can help our fellow agents with as well. Helps our own sales clients with it. And then it's sort of got broader kind of personal benefits as well uh, in terms of the business. So we're excited. It's a good journey to be on. That's great. That's great. So with all of these uh, sort of moving pieces in real estate and especially in, you know, everything that you're doing, what would you say your favorite thing about this industry is and about what you do? I think it's a good question. I think that um, there's two parts. So I got into real estate because what I had been working on before was very big picture and uh, weighty in some respects, but the successes could take many, many years. Mm -hmm. And the reason I got into real estate was uh, I wanted that very direct, uh, tangible you help somebody with this mo- most meaningful pro- um, part of their life and you can and you can do that. So that still exists. I would say that as I've grown in the industry, honestly, I've come to be uh, feel great affection for my fe- fellow realtors who I think are really, um, you know, hardworking and want to do in the main, want to do right both by their clients, but also to the communities they live in. And I think for real estate agents, this is going to be a difficult period. So one of the things I like is also being able to help those individuals. Mm-hmm. So uh, when colleagues call and, and ask for advice and uh, or just thoughts want to bounce an idea off of me, uh, I try to make myself available, even in a world where we've got you know, a young kid on, on kindergarten via Zoom and, and, and other things, because that's, that's part of, um, I think, the benefit of being in this. There's a lot of people who are really entrepreneurial, really trying to work hard, build businesses for themselves, but you can help each other out. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a lot of good sentiment and vibe in the real estate community. And I think if you can give back to that, it's a nice thing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's where a lot of, you know, the idea of developing a team this year has come from, because you're already doing that in a lot of ways, but you can do that a little bit more directly with people under you, which is awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about a really challenging time for you and how you overcame it. And this could be professionally or even personally. That's a good question. Um, I would say that um, maybe there's two that I can quickly talk about. One is when I first moved into real estate, I had sort of had this vision of being in um, uh, international law and human rights for the, my career. And then, and then basically realizing that there were compromises I'd have to make if I stayed in that. And then making a shift, a dramatic shift, a change in professional identity wasn't easy. I sort of embraced it and dived in, but it wasn't an easy thing to do. And you get a lot of questioning, you know, from, from friends and colleagues who've known you well, like, are you going through a midlife crisis a little bit early here? What? So, so that was sort of one, I would say, um, that was difficult. Um, and, uh, and I'd sort of point to that. And I think the thing that helped me to get through it was, um, having a great partner and my wife sort of being able to talk to her and saying, look, this is 
why I want to try and do this. And this is what I see as the benefits. That was, that was certainly a, a helpful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say probably one other thing that I would really point to is uh, going back a number of years, I took the New York state bar and uh, it's actually a, a singularly miserable experience studying for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I narrowly missed passing it the first time. Uh-huh. That was a blow. That was a blow. I've got to uh-huh. say. And that was actually the thing that got me through that was a, a good friend who was taking it the next sort of period. And we just decided we would hunk down and study together. Uh, and, and what you realize, and I think the, 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 the lesson learned from that period is that if you can find these people to partner with who you like, trust, care about, they care about you, they share in your um, need to succeed as well as their own, mm-hmm. that can get you far. And you see that in real estate as well. If you can help your clients to succeed, if you can help your peers to succeed, boy, it can, it can get you a long way. And because that comes back to you as well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And you can sort of see that transpiring in your own life now, you know, mm-hmm. years ago when you had that experience for you and now you're able to, to give that to other people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, what would you say your biggest life achievement is something that you're really proud of or passionate about? Hmm. I would say that, so we've got a kid, she's uh, five turning six. And um, when this pandemic hit almost a year ago, uh, we made the decision to sort of take her out of preschool before things shut down. It was like just shortly beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, so this past year, I've sort of been primary lead at home with her kind of doing school from home and balancing business around that. And um, I will say it hasn't been a hardship. People say, oh my God, that's so difficult. I'm like, it's actually been a blessing. Um, when could you have this opportunity to spend this amount of time? Yeah. We're so lucky compared to so many other people. You know, touch wood, as long as you can stay healthy and, and, you, and you have the things you need, that's, that's a big thing. But I would say, as I see her sort of grow, um, I just, you know, it doesn't compare to anything else that I've built. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to think professionally, there are a whole bunch of things I could point to, but, but, um, uh, and there, and there are a, a few good, good stories there, both real estate and, and without, but this is sort of one that, uh, this has been a bit special this past year. Um, yeah. and that that's neat that you get to, you know, a lot of times kids go to school and, and they learn and then they come home and you understand what they learn, but really get to see those gears kind of turning and firsthand watching them learn, I'm sure is a really cool experience. Uh, it's been incredible. Yeah, that's great. Uh, tell me something that most people don't know about you. Any hobbies or fun facts? Uh, yeah, so, well, I, yeah, I love soccer. I support a team from the UK called uh, Tottenham. And, uh, and uh, uh, you know, they, they sort of have had me in tears over the years, but, but a few people do know about that one. Um, I've sort of mentioned my, my past life in human rights and, and international law. Um, so that's, you know, that's an interesting thing. I suppose one that would be a, uh, that does surprise folks is I had a fairly, um, reasonable role in the creation of something called the International Criminal Court. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is, um, it's, you know, a a court that was set up to try war criminals. And I was part of a group of people advocated for its creation and, and, uh, had a role with that. So it's a bit different from what I do these days, but no, life interesting. Yeah, it's good. It's good background to have, you know, different perspective on things, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I had a client a few years ago. Uh, he's actually become a very good friend. Um, he's a, a reporter for a very prominent um, 
Catholic news magazine. And um, he and I would go looking for houses and his wife would be at work. And he was like, this is the best house hunting experience I've had because we don't have to talk about houses at all. And he'd be talking about what I used to do yeah. and to the point where I'd have to remind him when we were actually looking in the house. I'm like, your wife is going to ask you what <laughs> thought of this. You actually have to pay attention. pay attention. We're in the house. So our deal is we can talk. And when we're in the car, we can talk about just war theory, whatever you want. When we get to the house, you've got to focus on the kitchen. You've got to focus on the deck. You've got to actually look at this stuff. But it worked out great. They loved the house. It worked out well. And they yeah. did life so it was a nice <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome a lot of good stories there i'm sure yeah. um are you currently reading any books listen to any podcasts or how do you generally like to gain new knowledge i am i'm gonna i'm gonna be like a, an evangelist over a couple of things now i have started listening to this podcast that basically came out sort of at the beginning of the pandemic it's called um the high performance podcast mm-hmm. and it's by this guy jake humphreys and uh, professor professor hughes uh, they're based in the UK. It's amazing. Um, they have these phenomenal guests on and um, they've been on almost every week. I think they've had like little gaps throughout the course of the, uh, uh, the this past year, but it's about mindset um, and purpose and, and things of that nature. But also I think a recognition that, you know, we're sort of in tough times and we need a bit of inspiration and mm-hmm. positivity so I'm actually very appreciative of, of, of these guys and the product that they put out. I think it's wonderful. And I, I, I tell everybody to, to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of books, a um, couple of books that I think are interesting uh, that I've read or I'm just, just finishing up. One is called The 12 Week Work Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually doing a training on that um, in a couple of weeks with, uh, with MoCo Property Management sort of based around those ideas. And, and sort of the notion is essentially to really compress your timeframes for, um, for your work, almost do like little sprints of work. It's a lovely book. I recommend people to get that. And then kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, but, but more in keeping with the, um, the high performance podcast idea. I was just reading a book by Jay Shetty called um, Think Like a Monk. And uh, it's a, a wonderful book again about, about mindset and, uh, and, and I think it's, it's, it's well worth reading. Yeah. I've heard of, of both of those books and you just reminded me that I, that 12 week work year, I've been wanting to read that for a while now. Like I need to, I need to, to listen to that. So you guys are doing a training on that as well. You said, yeah, we're doing a training. Yeah. If anyone wants to sort of reach out to me, um, my email is raj at rajabout.com and I'm happy to get you on the list. I think uh, it's in a couple of Saturdays time. And uh, my colleague at uh, Moco property management, Tim Bodwin is actually going to lead it. And you don't have to have read the book to do the training, but basically the idea is, you know, we're in this period where it's very hard to plan a year in advance because we don't know what's, you know, what's going to happen. So what if we focused on these sprints, what's going to happen over the next 10, 12 weeks and how can we plan around that? And you almost repeat, you know, that sort of process. And honestly, it's, you know, we, we, we send it out primarily to real estate agents, but it's not specific to them. So if yourself or any of the team there, want to jump on would, would love to have you and any of the listeners yeah. uh, would love to so it's a, it's a, I think it'll be a really good training I Tim actually put me onto the book and kind of has a mini training that he, he walked me through and it's great yeah that's awesome uh, where do you see yourself sort of in the next five years ah uh, good question um I think we'll still be here in Montgomery County in Bethesda I think we like where we live um uh I think I, I hope to have an established sales team uh, to have MoCo property management on, on uh, 
you know, very strong foundations and, and thriving. Uh, I hope to be doing more coaching. Um, that's something that I've sort of put on hold a bit. Um, and then more writing. I've got a couple of book projects that are, that are on, the, uh, on the back burner. And then I, I think, and this is going to sound like a contradiction, but I assure you it isn't. And then um, ensuring that I've got the right balance. So, um, you know, one of the, the positives about this, this tough year has been, as I mentioned earlier, getting to spend time with, you know, the, the family. And I want to make sure that, 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 that I'm still fully engaged with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, we've just got this one kid and boy, they, she's growing up fast. So mm-hmm. the next five years, uh, I can imagine will be gone in the blink of an eye. Um, I'd like to do a bit more traveling, but not in the grab a suitcase and go away for two weeks, but, but figure out a way where we can go away for longer periods, maybe a couple of months, uh, work a little bit remotely, just kind of immerse into a, a community a bit more. That, that also sounds appealing. Mm-hmm. I love how clear your vision is and all that. That's great. We'll hope. Let's say um, that I'm your next prospective client. Why should I call you? You should call me because I'm going to take the time to understand what your needs are, not just today, but over the next number of years, and to make sure that it's not just the basics around the type of house or even the neighborhood or the amenities uh, that we're looking at, but it's the totality of who you are, where you want to go, and, and how this investment should sort of fit in. Um, and we'll sort of dig into all of that before we get going and as we get going. And as you, and if you start to, during the process, start to make some changes, you're the client, you get to drive that, but we'll have a conversation and say, look, you had talked about how these things are important. For example, I don't wanna be house poor. Well, now we're looking at things 100,000 above your budget. Are you okay with that? Right. Um, and uh, so, so it's really looking at you in a very, singular personal way and making sure that we tap into the all of the things that matter because as we've seen look if we look at the last sort of 10 12 years we have had great recessions pandemics you know stock market going up stock market going down mm-hmm. it's 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 a wild ride and and somehow i don't think the next 10 or 12 years are going to be any different so i think people really need to be clear-eyed about about what matters to them mm-hmm. yeah i think that's great advice and tell me how we can best reach you. Phone number, email, are you on social media or what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, phone number is great. Uh, 240-486-3921 is my cell and very textable. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm at Raj uh, Real Estate. And um, I've got my email address is Raj, R-A-J at R-A-J-A-B-O-U-T dot com. Raj at rajabout.com. But honestly, the best way is his phone, 240-486-3921. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Raj. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Oh, thank you, Lexi. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.